All right, brother. Well, good morning. Uh, our question today is, uh, what should Christians do with the imprecatory psalms? Or how should we understand the imprecatory psalms? And I think what would be good for us is that you would let us know what are they? Because that might not be a word that is uh, common knowledge in, in amongst Christians. So, sure. yeah, what are the imprecatory psalms? Sure. Well, we obviously should just begin, I guess, defining that particular word. Um, an imprecation is really just a, uh, a calling of a curse or a judgment upon somebody. So okay. uh, then by definition, the imprecatory psalms would be a psalm where we're seeing the author call upon God to curse or destroy uh, or bring judgment upon their enemies. And I think a lot of times people might hear something like that and think, wait a second, is that actually something that's in the Bible? Is that actually something? Because most people are not aware of that. They're aware of uh, Jesus says, love your neighbor. Jesus says, uh, do good. You know, the, 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 yeah. the, you know uh, just blanket statements of what the general tenor of people in America especially think of what Jesus says. And the Bible does speak about this. So a couple of texts I think would be important for us to take a look at. Just read these so that uh, we can see kind of the flavor of what's happening in the Psalms. You have Psalm chapter 5, verse 10. It says, Make them, this is about the wicked, Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. You have it uh, also in Psalm 58. Um, it says in verses 3 through 8, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. They have venom like the venom of a serpent, like the deaf adder that stops its ear, so that it does not hear the voice of charmers or of the cunning enchanter. O God, break the teeth in their mouths. Tear out the fangs of the young lions, O Lord. Let them vanish like water that runs away. When he aims his arrows, let them be blunted. Let them be like the snail that dissolves into slime, like the stillborn child who never sees the sun. You have uh, Psalm 137. And these are obviously by no means exhaustive of what we find in the Psalms. Sure. Uh, Psalm 137, verses 7 through 9. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, The day of Jerusalem, how they said, lay it bare, lay it bare, down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed. Blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. And you see it as well in Psalm 139, verses 19 through 21. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a complete hatred. I count them my enemies. 
And so obviously these things are here. These texts are in Scripture. We can't just get rid of them. And the fact of the matter is they're not just in the Psalms. We see them all through the Old Testament. We see them even in the New Testament. One of the most basic, uh, which requires a biblical understanding of the Scriptures, is when Jesus tells his people to pray. And he tells them, uh, pray uh, that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. And the reality we need to ask is if the kingdom of God is coming in upon the earth, what is one of the most basic realities that happens? Uh, we see it unfolding from the Old Testament all the way into the new of what God is doing. He is ridding out his enemies. Yeah. He is rooting them out and he is filling the earth with his people, his seed. Yeah. And so when Jesus tells his people to pray that the kingdom would come on earth, uh, it is an imprecation that God would remove his enemies yeah. from the earth. And so we can't just relegate these, brethren. Uh, they're, they're there, they're in Scripture, and we really do have to deal with them. Yeah, sure. So, you know, like you said, what you read, definitely not exhaustive in the Psalms, mm -hmm. all over the Bible. It's there, it's clear. Uh, how have Christians or interpreters, commentators, uh, scholars throughout the history of the church kind of handled this, or, or what have they mm -hmm. said about the precatory Psalms? Well, it's a mixed bag. Um, you obviously are going to have uh, good believing scholars, theologians, pastors, preachers that are uh, going to believe that this is God's Word um, and want to preach it. There's even going to be some that believe it's God's Word but are fearful to preach it. And then there's also a good handful that um, want to relegate this to some former time period mm -hmm. that uh, want to remove them from what we as God's people need to be helped by, encouraged by, exhorted by. And some of the most namely would be uh, primarily you have Haley's Bible Handbook, which is just sort of a, a basic handbook, almanac, if you will, for uh, new Christians. And what they say is basically this, that these words, these imprecatory psalms are just the opposite of Jesus' teaching. Mm. So they're actually putting them at odds with uh, what we might find in the New Testament. You have the pulpit commentary, which is uh, a pretty basic commentary on the entire uh, Bible. I have it at my house, in fact, and I consulted at different times. Um, a lot of good information there in regards to the original languages, but they actually say that these Psalms are not God's precept, but man's defective prayers. Mm -hmm. So they're actually putting them, uh, these Psalms are are actually, he's, they're saying are rooted in the sinfulness of man, not in God's divine decree or precept. And then, of course, you have probably most famously C.S. Lewis, yeah. who uh, writes about these psalms and says that these psalms are indeed devilish. And not only that, but actually says that we ought to read these psalms with no other feeling but a feeling of horror. And, and even more so, we ought never to consider as God's people to, to pray them ourselves. Hmm. So a, a, a good majority of folks have also just decided to just wipe the Bible clean of these because they don't like them. They're uncomfortable when they come at us. They, they bring conflict because we're not used to that kind of thing in the Bible. So we don't want to do that. You know, right. we believe that, right? <laughs> right. So we right. believe that God's Word is inspired by Him. It is His Word to us. So then, brother, how ought we to understand these Psalms sure. and, and, and this language in Scripture? I think two things are important. Uh, primarily would be we need to understand who the actual enemy is because if we're going to say, and we do, we want to say this to God's people, that uh, we want you to read these psalms, find them to be a benefit to your own soul, and pray them. Not yeah. just leave them there, but pray them. Uh, and if we're going to call you 
to call God to bring judgment upon his enemies, we have to know who the enemy is. And it's very important for us to recognize that the enemy is not primarily our enemy and only secondarily God's enemy. The enemy is actually primarily God's enemy, and only by proxy of it being his enemy do they become our enemy. We saw that in one of the Psalms we read, Psalm 139. Uh, It says that, I hate those who hate you, O God. Not, I hate those who hate me. There's a, a recognition that primarily it is about God and his glory. And this is super important to get right, because otherwise the Psalms could be used uh, to be our own vindication of, of retribution or trying to uh, bring revenge upon someone who wrongs us or does something like that. But that's not, what, that's not what those Psalms are particularly about. They are looking to the glory of God, and they are seeing that the wicked are dragging God's name through the dirt by their action and their words. Yeah. And therefore the psalmist is saying, O oh God, your name is at stake. Let not men prevail. Let not the wickedness continue in their ways. And so we need to recognize that primarily the enemy is not our own. It is God's enemy that becomes our enemy. And then we see this worked out in different places in Scripture. You see it in the New Testament in a number of places. Ephesians chapter 6, you see Paul talk about uh, that basically we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're, our wrestle, our war, our battle is against principalities and rulers and demons and, and, and authorities and spiritual forces of evil that are at work. And then he says uh, the same idea in Second Corinthians chapter 10, that the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're not carnal. Yeah. Uh, we as Christians don't go around uh, with a sword on the hip that is ready to cut the head off of anyone who doesn't bow the knee to Jesus Christ. We go around with a different sword. We go around with the gospel, uh, which Paul says in that same passage in Second Corinthians is actually the one that destroys arguments, that actually brings every thought captive to Jesus Christ. And so we don't necessarily fight a physical battle, uh, we are primarily fighting a spiritual battle, which only works itself out physically because this is a physical world and mm-hmm. people are physical. But our weapons of warfare, Paul recognizes we are in warfare. It's yeah. not that we're not. Yeah. We are in warfare. But our weapon is the gospel, which brings uh, great and small to their knees uh, to obedience to Jesus Christ. So primarily our enemy is God's enemy, and our, our weapons are not those that bring physical destruction, but bring spiritual and uh, enlightenment and repentance. Okay. Could you give our, our listeners uh, a particular way that they can apply these psalms to themselves, or you know how to read them, or sure, yep. um, a couple a couple things. Also, primarily before maybe we can get uh, a good application is to remember the psalms christologically. So if we're going to look at these psalms, it's good for us to realize that they have, in one sense, already been fulfilled in Christ. Uh, Jesus comes and he actually defeats his enemies. Every one of the imprecatory psalms can be applied to Jesus Christ without reserve. Uh, He he destroyed his enemies and brought them to ruin 
uh, with no malice in his heart, with no sin in his heart. Everything about it was righteous. And we see it in a number of places in the New Testament. You see John chapter 12, Jesus says when he comes, he will be lifted up and draw all men to himself. And in the same context, he says, now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Yes. He says in 1 John, uh, uh, 1 John 3, 8, that the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. You see it in Revelation 21, speaking about Satan being bound so as to not deceive the nations. And I know there's argument there as to whether or not he is bound now or he will be bound in the future. But Jesus talks about this in the Gospels. And he says that you cannot go in and plunder a man's goods unless you bind the strong man. That's right. And Jesus is telling his people, I'm going to bind that strong man and I'm going to plunder his goods. That's right. Everything that was under the domain and, and uh, of darkness and of sin and of Satan, uh, Jesus has bound him and he is plundering his goods. And then you see it uh, maybe most uh, on the forefront in what Paul says to the church of Colossae, Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, that he disarmed the rulers and authorities and principalities that are at work and he put them to open shame. So Christ uh, has destroyed his enemies, he's torn them down, and then... Presently now, Christ is conquering his enemies through the church. And Paul talks about this to the uh, church at Rome. Romans chapter 16, verse 20, he tells them, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Calling them back to Genesis, where God said that there is going to be the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, and he will crush your head. And what Paul is telling the church is, Jesus is doing that. And he's doing that through you. And there's a reality that we as a church are to be those, through the power of the Holy Spirit, are putting enemies to Christ's enemies under His feet. He is presently subjecting them under His feet. And one way in which I think uh, Christians can very well apply this text uh, would be to the enemy that most constantly comes against the Christian, and that is sin. Mm. The reality is, brother, uh, Christians are dealing with an enemy on a day-by-day -day basis uh, that is individual in nature, and it is our own sin. And I think there's a, a particular psalm in which I would really um, encourage every Christian to memorize and, and begin to apply and ask God that this would be the case with their own sin. This is Psalm chapter 18, starting in verse 31. It says, For who is God but the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. Now here's the particular passage. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back till they were consumed. I thrust them through so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet, for you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me, and those who hated me I destroyed. They cried for help. But there was none to save. And they cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as dust before the wind and cast them out like the mire of the streets. And I think, brother, if we can get a, an idea, 
that these, this psalm about destroying our enemies, beating them down so fine that they are not able to rise mm. again, uh, a very good application for these imprecatory psalms individually for our own lives.